Today's program is brought to you by Michter's Distillery. Visit Michter's.com to find out how their taste-is-everything, cost-be-damned attitude is creating some of the finest whiskeys available. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good morning. You're listening to In the Drink on heritageradionetwork.org. I'm your host, Joe Campanelli, and I am here today with Mr. Hugh Davies. He is the proprietor of the great Schramsberg Vineyards um, in Napa Valley, California, making uh, what I think are the uh, pretty much the greatest American sparkling wines. Uh, I, I remember just a, uh, a few years back, I was uh, tasked with writing an article for the Beverage Media on California sparkling wines. Um, and I had organized, I'm sure he, he's heard me tell this story a few times, but I organized a big blind tasting for uh, all the California sparkling wines I could get. Um, and there were there were quite a few tasty ones. Uh, and I organized them by style, whether it was Rosé, Blanc de Blanc, Blanc de Noir, and Boy Schramsberg. Uh, pretty much one in every category blind with all of our, our uh, industry friends. So that was, uh, it was a fun time and just reconfirmed how much I love these wines and how excited I am to uh, have you on the show. Welcome, welcome, Hugh. Hey, thanks, Joe. Uh, that's, a, that's a good story. I like it. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited that uh, the folks like the wines. Uh, that's our, we aim to please. Nice. So uh, Schramsberg is an, uh, an historic property uh, in the Napa Valley has been around uh, since the mid-19th century, uh, kind of a, uh, uh, an interrupted past, if you will. Um, uh, but it's really uh, your parents who brought Schramsberg to the great recognition that it is, uh, is today. Um, they purchased the vineyard in 1965 um, and completely restored the property. So they did such a good job, in fact, that it's been something that's been served to multiple presidents. Uh, can you tell us how did Schramsberg first get started being served to presidents, and has Barack Obama ever had uh, any Schramsberg? We've had a few uh, instances, I think four now, during the Obama administration that we're aware of. Um, that that have happened. At the initial time uh, when the, uh, one of our wines was served at a, an official White House function was actually in Beijing, China, and it was in 1972. Uh, my parents had started revived the old Schramsberg winery in the 60s, in 1965, and at that time they would be the first to make Chardonnay and Pinot Noir based sparkling wines in this traditional you know bottle fermentation method, and. Uh, about seven years later, you know, I guess sometimes being the first is helpful, but Nixon had gone to China. There was a, uh, a big toast of peace. We were still in, in the midst of the Vietnamese conflict and the Chinese were on one side and we were on the other, but they, uh, they raised a glass to, to, to peace. And as it turned out, as Barbara Walters would explain uh, the next day on the, on the Today Show, that a little known sparkling wine, the Schramms were blank to blank had been served and she showed a bottle on national television that was good that's pretty great uh the the beginning of uh m mending of our relations with china and 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 uh, you know i mean i think for me it is it's it's still exciting to reflect upon to, to consider because 
you know that doesn't that just doesn't always happen right you're you it's hard to somehow it's almost a magical thing that you would be yeah. in the right place at the right time but you've got to figure for my parents who who'd come up with the idea and then invested in this old property and and worked so hard to kind of get it up and running that that was a that was a pretty good that was a pretty good thing to have yeah. happen <laughs> now that blank to blank or or blank to blank as, to blanc, as we yeah, might yeah, say yeah. now something that we poured by the glass for uh, quite some time at uh, at Lepicho. Uh we still have it on on our bottle list with, along with a couple of your other wines um, something that I really like it's really in kind of a, a lean crisp uh, dry style that I think uh, really is is very very food friendly pairs with with a lot of our dishes. Um, and has that always been the side? Have you guys changed through the years? I know with the Blanc de Noir, at least, it used to be Blanc de Gamay. Is that no, that was the third wine that, okay. that we made. Yeah, the, the Cuvée de Gamay, um, which which is morphed really to what we do today called the Rosé. And so the rosé style is a lot more popular today than it was 10 years ago, not just for us, but for for other producers uh, throughout the, the, the globe. Certainly those who are marketing the United States, the category is, is, uh, is popped uh, a little bit. But uh, the Blanc de Blanc, which, uh, which you had done uh, uh, by the glass, and we appreciate that, uh, is, is a little is lighter in body than the other styles we do. It's 100% Chardonnay, and, and so it's probably a little – Chardonnay and Pinot are the two principal varieties we use. The, the Pinot is a little more fleshy and, and, and juicy and round, whereas the, the Chardonnay is crisp and more citrusy and, 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 and tart and, and long on the finish, too. That's a nice palate-cleansing style. Yeah, very very refreshing. Um, you know, we have at, at La Pichu, I, I think we have a lot of uh, newer California producers who are making uh, much more food friendly wines uh, and and a couple classics. And uh, I think that that you you guys have been making very food friendly style wines, lower alcohol, crisp acidity, drier sparkling wines for a while, and and I love them, uh, and, and I'm proud to serve them. Awesome. Uh, no, that's uh, it. It does somewhat go with the territory. We're making a style that uh, is certainly similar to a Champagne from France, where you you use the Chardonnay and Pinot grapes, and and you you pick the the fruit at low sugars, and end up with a low alcohol wine with with a lot of acidity. As we've evolved, we've we've actually moved uh, with vineyards closer to the coast to, mm-hmm. to cooler pockets where the acidity is higher in, 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 the, in the juice as, as we pick the, the fruit. And uh, I think we've fine-tuned the style, you know, always, always, always trying to get a little bit better with what we're doing. Now, talk about uh, a little bit about your uh, evolving. Uh, now you work with 90 different parcels. It could, it could be off it, by... It's probably a little more like 110. 110 uh, parcels. Yeah. How do you maintain quality and... Uh, create a wine that maybe that represents terroir, or are you looking for a wine that represents terroir with working with so many different parcels? Yeah, I think you know you think of the traditional uh, French Champagne model is is there, there's the assemblage, you know you, you, that's the term that that is used, and so from from multiple sources, obviously are the, in our case they're all in, in Northern California, they're they're in what's known as the North Coast. We have. Uh, I guess I could say handpicked, but o- o- over the course of years, uh, sifted through a number of different sites, and 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 now have uh, assembled 
a set that's it's as good as I think we've ever had. But we're, we wouldn't just stick with that set. We would continue to try uh, a couple of new things every year that, that might give us that many more pieces to work with as we build a blend. Um, the sites can be lower in elevation uh, when closer to the bay or in some of the coastal valleys. But as you get a little closer to the ocean itself, you, you might be up a little bit higher. So there's just enough sun. You get too close to the sea level uh, uh, next to the water, it, it does get a little bit challenging to get get the fruit to ripen, even for uh, uh, a fairly low alcohol sparkling wine. Mm-hmm. And now there's a movement in Champagne towards vinifying single vineyard or very site-specific mm-hmm. wines. Uh, I would love to try a Schramsberg uh, single done, vineyard. Have we, you done it before? Yeah, no, yeah. we have a couple of, uh, of vineyard-designant wines that we have done, and, and we're starting to hear people more, I'd say, in the... Uh, you know the wine media, uh, potentially some of the the, the sommelier crowd. Uh, there's there is that interest in you know in tasting, you know what that site tastes like. You know just that just that block right there. I want to taste that one acre, um, and that's it. And so uh, typically each year on a smaller scale, we're doing some vineyard designate. Uh, bottlings, mm. and then they they come out uh, when they're typically five years old. Uh, they're not in broader distribution. Um, we've done them for our our wine club, and we we have a pretty good following with the club, and so the, that's one way to reward those guys. Yeah, I, I guess what if there is a trend or something that's hot or some something picks up interest, uh, it takes you quite a few years to to adjust to that, considering the the vinification process and, and aging process. It is a process. Um, so we've done we've released a, a, a Tognetti, uh, which is a site in. Uh, on Bayview Avenue in, mm-hmm. in Napa Grande Rose. It's a, it's a really good site, dark, loamy soils. Uh, neighboring that uh, are the Hyde Vineyards, and we've done a Hyde. Uh, also in that, that, that neighborhood is a Jones, which we've done. All of them focus, those ones, uh, primarily on, on Chardonnay. As we've, uh, as we've done things uh, more out towards the coast, some of our best Pinot Noirs feeling like they, they may come from places in, in Marin County mm-hmm. or up the Sonoma Coast. Uh, into the into Mendocino's Anderson Valley, we we actually bottled a couple of years ago a Redding, which is a Redding Ranch, which is a, a site in Marin up in the hills. You're probably up a uh, thousand feet above mm-hmm. sea level there. Multiple clones of Pinot Noir, but it is it is a is a, a Pinot Noir, probably a Blanc Noir, but just from that that site near Nicasio. And going County. back to the the idea of blending, do you already know uh, when you're when you're planting or ahead, ahead of time? Where the specific plots will go into which wines, or uh, is that more of a game time decision as the fruit comes in and it's tasted, and then you further blend it off? I'm sure that the, in, in terms of skin contact, the the red wines you have to make those decisions earlier on. I'd imagine. Yeah, the way we roll is that we uh, is that we'll make from you know over 100 different relatively small blocks we're not a big big producer we have national distribution but we're we're still you know relatively small in that regard we have um we have the ability to make maybe 200 and i think last year we made 275 individual base wines 
what's a base wine it's it's the 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 von tranquil it's the it's the 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 white wine either made from the chardonnay or pinot noir uh that is probably going to be sitting about 11 and a half percent alcohol it, it's crisp it's tart it's young we do tank fermentations with with most of the volume mm. but we do a, a really deep set of barrel fermented wines as well some will go through malactic fermentation some won't and so we have a really broad range of of components to work with we think that's very exciting and and from the the broad range of sites it's only once we get to blending so if harvest is uh you know august september october it's january february march where we start to put pieces together from the the set of base wines initially identifying the very best ones that we think we might have to work with narrowing that list down to say 25 or 30 and from those we put together our tetuves so we we do make a few uh, tetuves that are the the, the limited special select uh, offerings and we'll age those guys for up to eight years after we put those ones together uh switching things up a little bit can you tell us about a super fun interesting delicious domestic sparkling wine that you've had uh that you did not make oh that we did not make that's a good question (laughs) um well there there are there are a number of of really fine producers and and there are there there are some new uh you know smaller lots that we're starting to see i i think i probably think of you know some of the the folks that have been around a little bit longer uh for for you know maybe the best quality that i'm that i'm uh, i'm aware of Mm -hmm. um and and Believe me, I don't. I don't know everything, right? There, 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 there's, there's probably something that is so outstanding that I've not yet tasted. But we think pretty highly, certainly of the folks at Rotor Estate. I think they've done a, a fine job. The Lermitage, you know, their their top of the line is, that's pretty darn good. Yeah. Uh, and and Delicious. I think it it is a it's a it's a style that really rivals the very best in Champagne in my mm-hmm. mind. I, mean, I I don't say that just because I'm from California. Um, at a fraction of the price, you know, it, it uh, people should just be drinking it right and left. In my mind, that's a good one. Uh, the folks at uh, Domaine Carneros, I think, are doing a good job. Uh, you know, the guys at, at at Mum, there there are a number of producers in California. I think as a set, we're, we're a lot better than the world really yeah. realizes. Have you ever tried to make a Petillant Naturel wine? Uh, no. no, no. Do you have any desire? Do you have any interest in this category? Um, I think I need to need to explore it a little bit further before you know. Yeah, I think if you put something in the bottle, you want to make sure that it that it works and that 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 you know all the bottles that you make that are are, are this item are going to be the same and mm-hmm. are going to age similarly. So you wouldn't want them to uh, uh, be uh, potentially short lived or 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 to be. Um, Inconsistent, and so I think you you want to fine tune your technique before you start moving commercially with it with your name on it. All right, all right. So we're going to take just a quick break. Uh, we'll be back with more of Hugh Davies from Schramsberg Vineyards in a bit. Awesome, great. You are listening to Let Me In by Snowmine here on the Heritage Radio Network.org.
Nictor's Whiskey is a proud sponsor of HeritageRadioNetwork.org. If you drink the whiskey that warmed General Washington's troops at Valley Forge, does that make you a patriot? Not necessarily, but it indicates you appreciate that Michter's sets the standard for highest quality, limited production whiskeys. America's first whiskey distilling company, Michter's rich history dates back to 1753, when a farmer in Schaeferstown, Pennsylvania, distilled his first batch of whiskey from Hardy Rye. At one point, a master distiller left his family's well-known distillery to join Michter's so he could be at a smaller, less cost-conscious company where he could make the finest whiskey, cost be damned. Ask your bartender or retailer for Michter's whiskey today. Chatham Imports is the national sales agent for Michter's Distillery. For more information, please visit www.michters.com. That's www.michters.com. And we're back with Hugh Davies, uh, the proprietor of Stromsburg Vineyards here on In the Drink. And uh, before we left, we uh, we did talk a little bit about uh, my uh, desire for maybe one day for Hugh to try making a Petillon Natural wine. I think that would be a lot of fun. Um, did, I, I just wanted to give you guys uh, a heads up there. There is a California pet nat out there that I'm a big fan of called 25 Reasons by Selenia. Um, pretty well priced as well. It's Sauvignon Blanc. It doesn't taste very Sauvignon Blanc-y, um, which is, which is, I think, a nice thing. Uh-huh. Um, and it's, it's a little bit earthy, yeasty, great acidity. Uh, it's kind of a, a, it's more of a fun wine, uh, but I would say look for that. Uh, and that, that's, you know, a recent, uh, sparkling wine that I've tasted that, that I really enjoy. So look for that one. And it doesn't have to take that long to, to make it necessarily doesn't have to take uh, years to make yeah. it. Yeah, so that, that, that's a nice thing. Yep. What's, what is your cellar like? How many bottles do you have in the various processes? Oh, well, it, it, you know, we do make a, a number of offerings that are, that are relatively old as, as they come to market. You know, you think of the JSRAM, you think of the, the, the reserve, the JSRAM yep. Rosé. Those guys are, are currently 2005, 2006 vintage, so they're eight, eight nine years old. So you might have eight, we have eight vintages of those abs- wines in your cellar. Ab- absolutely, wow. yeah. And then, the, you know, we were making, you know, collectively in that set, it's yeah, four or 5,000 cases a year. Uh, so that's times 12 you know 50 uh you know 60,000 bottles times eight there's a there's you know 500,000 of those guys that's uh, a lot of square footage it's a <laughs> there are about uh 35,000 square feet of of floor space there is that much in our in the caves at Shramsburg and they're pretty much full of bottles i think today we're close with everything that we've got in there from you know the blanc de blanc blanc mm. noir rosé etc there are about three million bottles so who that's that's a ton of but bottles. it's but it's about four years worth of inventory yeah you know i, I recently went to uh in the emidio pepe winery um in abruzzo you think of them as the the tiniest most artisanal handmade organic family winery and they have a half a million bottles in, in their cellar because uh, they're they're aging quite a bit of it so as as well and you know in in on larger scale you know you think of the the big french houses you know moet chandon uh Vauve Clicquot, you know they're 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 large and, and known and popular uh you think of champagne in general mm-hmm. uh but if you if you look at 
at uh, the overall amount of champagne made every year in that district of France is 25 million cases. You know, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a lot of bottles. So that's uh, getting up there towards uh, 300 million bottles. The, um, the larger producers would do maybe, you know, I think Moet's probably pushing 3 million cases, 2.5 million cases, something like that. So Moet's doing 10% of the entire production yeah, yeah. I, I think all of uh, all of the LVMH group put together. I mean, I'm not the expert. I'm, I don't know, but as I understand it, yeah, it's probably 30, 35 percent all champagne is is Louis Vuitton, Mott Hennessy. That is absolutely brands. nuts. That's absolutely. And they do. They, I mean, they make some pretty good stuff. They make some pretty good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I, I'm. You don't have to be, you know, the, the, the tiny small guy to, to be able to make it it, it good. I think that. Um, it's uh, but it's exciting to meet the the tiny small guy who who's who's carved out a niche, who's, who's created something out of out of one one plot and and uh, and presents it and and it's beautiful. And so let's let's change pace a little bit. Who who's drinking the majority of your wine? What's the market for California sparkling wine? The market for California sparkling wine is definitely uh, primarily the United States. I'd say the the market for California wine in general is primarily the United States. Uh, if you look at the California wine segment, it's about 85% uh, distributed in the United States and maybe 15% thereabouts exported uh with our brand we're probably more like 95 and 5 and i'd say that's that's probably the 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 case for the california sparking category in general it's not a large category if you think of well there are different tiers but if you think of the chardonnay and pinot based bottle fermented you know kind of classic method sparklings like champagne but but in california we're doing about a million cases collectively compared to the 25 million so it's pretty small, and so there's of that, you know, the, the, obviously the vast majority of it is consumed here in the states. Now you were the chairperson for a year of the Napa Valley Vintners, and uh, served on the board for for a number of years as well. Uh, what are the main issues today that the Vintners talk about? What do you what What are the things that that face you guys? What 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 were your meetings like? No, in in. To some degree, some of the issues are, are the same as they might have been, you know, 10, 20 years ago. I think right now we're struggling a little bit in, in Napa. Our community struggle is, is maybe too strong of a word, but working to, to find the best, best path forward as far as how do we manage uh, how do we manage growth? How do we manage the, 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 the popularity for visiting wineries for um, – uh, how, how do we manage crowds? You know, how, how do we how do we plan for the future? How are we going to move people around? How are we going to, uh, as as the industry has grown, as the world does? I mean, we may be facing problems that other people have too. Where are we going to get the water? Uh, you know, how 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 is uh, how are we going to manage a, a, you know a, a larger population? And and still be able to have agricultural land and 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 room to 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 to, to grow the crops and 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 do what we're doing. And what are some of the proposals? Well, we we have regulations, mm-hmm. and and they date back to the '60s. And and frankly, had had we not adopted regulations back in the '60s, we we wouldn't have the Napa Valley 
as as we know it. Uh, so those regulations are, are uh, you know, starting with zoning restrictions. We are uh, required to have uh, outside of the existing urban pockets, or the, what I'll say the pre-existing urban pockets. Um, the land in Napa County was zoned for agriculture, and so on the valley floor, we now have 40-acre minimum parcel sizes, so that you cannot. Uh, subdivide a parcel if, if you had a parcel to to uh, sizes smaller than 40 acres and so that keeps uh, as one house per 40 acres that's it and there's no commercial activity mm. uh, uh, that you could apply to that parcel there's no um, uh, although now we're starting to struggle a little bit with that with wineries you know how much commercial activity what what constitutes commercial you know what, what's required to sell the wine that the, that the uh, the winery is making um, versus uh, you know what white might be over the top. Uh, you don't want to have a hotel, a restaurant, you know, a, a gas station, uh, et cetera, et cetera, on on the on the winery property as well, because that would kind of defeat the purpose. So the zoning uh, plays a, a a big role. We've also we've already alluded to a little bit here. What what constitutes a winery? So we have a winery definition ordinance that 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 uh, gives the county. Uh, the ability to restrict what wineries can do, how many people they can have visit, when when they can visit, uh, I could go on and on. But yeah, and I think that there's a, it's a source of consternation for some folks who think everybody should be able to do whatever they want to do. Right? Yeah. It's America. It's 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 a free country. Uh, but at the same time, had we not had some of these restrictions, then we wouldn't have the the industry that we've got. We wouldn't have the the the. Uh, the extraordinary place that we have and that I call home. So I, I, it's okay with me to, to be a bit restrictive. It's not the overhand, overbearing hand of the government or, in this case, a trade group. Uh, the trade group is is kind of, uh, I, I think, playing historically has and continues to play a role working with the government that not only represents the industry but also yeah. the other other. Other, I mean, other it makes total sense to me because I think humans left to our own devices will act really poorly. You need, you kind of need some referees in order to to make sure that uh, that we stay in bounds. Absolutely. I mean, there, it's a it's a hard hard thing to accept. You put it in a different way, and just from the standpoint of we need to preserve agricultural land in California. Uh, you look at the statistics; we're losing thirty thousand acres of ag land in California every year. Uh, we're not losing it in Napa County. We haven't lost any ag land in Napa County. Crazy, right? Given that this has been going on, the loss of ag land. But as the California population approaches 40 million people, obviously, you know, they need they need space to 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 build houses and and to exist. Uh, so you are losing a lot of that fertile ground in, in what's the the San Joaquin Valley, the Sacramento Valley. Uh, and uh, you know, fast forward fifty, hundred years, you know, it's, it's a little bit frightening because mm-hmm. if, if that pace continues, that that's a lot of land that's uh, paved over. Yeah, well, talking about the future, but more specifically about Schramsberg, um, I know you, you recently released a line of Pinot Noir, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, delicious, at the J Davies Farrington. That was at the Davies Vineyard uh, Farrington. Uh, uh, Pinot from the Anderson Valley. That's a specific site. Uh, we've, we've done a fair amount of work up there with uh, Pinot Noir uh, mostly, but some Chardonnay for our sparkling wines. And so there, uh, for the last 
well, now we've done a, a 9, 10, the 11 was the one that we had at the dinner, uh, and there's a 12 and a 13, so we've actually done five uh, vintages of Farrington, Anderson Valley, Pinot, and we've done a couple of others. There's a Nobles Vineyard, which is up in the Sonoma Coast, again, a specific vineyard designated uh, wine. We do have a mix of clones there, so we we make a few different iterations of the, the Nobles or the Farrington before crafting the specific uh, blend. Um, and uh, we'll continue to move forward with that. We got started doing a little bit of red wine with our home property there on Diamond Mountain in the in the, the Napa Valley where the Stransburg Winery is located. Mm-hmm. Uh, it occurred to us, uh, as as it had already occurred to others around us, that Cabernet Sauvignon might might really work the best in in the in those hillside uh, vineyards that that uh, that we had. And so in the early '90s, we started the replanting. the The estate Cabernet that we produce is called J Davies, so we named that in honor of my dad Jack, so using his initial. Also, the uh, the founder, Jay Schramm, right? Wasn't he? I uh, know. So the, the, it gets a little confusing. The sh- the Schramms or the Schrams were there in the uh, the 1800s. Yeah. Uh, and then by, there was a guy, Jacob Schramm, and Jacob so we Schramm. have. He, he our, started. He wasn't he the guy who started it. He started the he started the winery, and, and in 1862, the middle of the Civil sure. War, there wasn't a, a whole lot going Oof. on out there in California. But he started it. So there is a little bit of a, a nexus, if you will. You know, the Jay Davies, you know, named after Jack Davies. Well, that's Cabernet, and the Jay Schramm, which is our kind of signature best blanc style so chardonnay based brute all right don't get them confused like i did hey it's 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 <laughs> i do it every day so it's okay uh do you have any interest in making a dry still uh, chardonnay that seems like a, a logical seems like next a step. natural i think i'm right? back to your other uh proposition for a different type of sparkling i, I think you want not to, that i think we need another napa need valley another, chardonnay i think we maybe have more, some, more than enough maybe something blanc Maybe no, something. No, uh, that might make Especially my not that might make my wife happy. She likes something blonde. But the the uh, I think we're gonna just take one step at a time, right? Yeah. I mean, we're, we we are uh, we're working hard. We're 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 enjoying what we do. Uh, it, it feels like it's really working, and um, you never say never. But for the time being. We're, we're focused on on the, the a small amount of red wine activity with with Cab and Pinot. And then continuing to build upon our success with the sparkling. Well, as I said before, I think the sparkling wines are absolutely delicious. Really, really incredible. And uh, part of the ever-changing history of, of California, uh, really historic state. So I, I also I like thinking about that when, uh, when drinking them. So that's fantastic. And it's great that, that we get to enjoy them uh, probably in the greatest time they've, they've ever been. And that's... Uh, in a large part due to uh, your work, so well, thank, thank you, you very much. No, it's it's. Uh, I feel blessed. I'm I'm lucky to to have the chance to uh, do do what I do. So I'm, I'm I appreciate your enthusiasm for for what we're doing. All right, Hugh, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show, uh, and thanks to all of you for listening. This has been in the drink on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.